Hi everyone and welcome to ABCs of Anesthesia. And in this episode, we're going to continue from last week where we're talking about the application process and the ANSCARE training program. But in this episode, we're going to go through a few more things in a bit more detail. So welcome everyone. My name is Lahiru. And my name is Kaz. And today we're going to go through approach to the application process, how to find a critical care job, and also the challenges of references and how to get a good reference. So just to start with Kaz, uh, what do you reckon? What was your approach to this application process? Yeah, so um, I guess my approach to this application process was to really, uh, I spent a fair bit of time thinking about what the what the kind of selection board um, wanted and what they were thinking. And this is not purely just a selection criteria, but I try to imagine being in that position. And I think appreciating the fact that a lot of residents have very similar experiences um, and very similar kind of roads and paths to getting there. So, so really it made me focus on, well, I, mm-hmm. this process is actually about thinking about how, like, what's my point of difference? Yeah. Um, because I think if you go there and say what you think is the right thing, which is intuitively what you want to say, yeah. you realize you start sounding like everyone else. Yeah. And I think, um, once you start getting on the, which I think you're doing now, you're helping people with interviews. Once you start helping people with interviews, you go, wow, everyone's the same. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're just what's it, cookie cutter models of everyone else, which is, you know, I think we agree that diversity is a good thing, but diversity of ideas and personalities is definitely a good thing. Uh, and also being authentic is yes. pretty useful because most people can just tell when something's not genuine or not, not authentic. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think it's not that these people weren't, um, you know, diverse or they weren't mm. really unique in their own way. It's just, I think everyone was saying, what was the easiest thing to say, yeah. which is I enjoy quick care because I like farm and fizz. Yeah. I like working with people and yeah. I like research. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think it's really about <clears throat> imagining being on the other side of the panel. So I think if you've actually interviewed, it's really helpful. So mm-hmm. I've interviewed quite a few times. For, and when you're sitting there mm-hmm. interviewing, you know, it's like some of the sessions we did, I think 30 people in a morning. Mm. And by the end of the day, you remember the great ones and you remember the terrible ones that you didn't <laughs> want to get in. Everyone else is a blur. Yep. And yep. that process really made me think, oh, wow, like I don't want to be part of that blur. How do I stand out? Yeah. And then it's about having a good reflection of what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And I think making the CV, which obviously we'll get to, is a great process because you can look at your CV and go, okay, this is my, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is what I need to work on. Mm-hmm. So if you've got two pages of, you know, if you've got 30 publications, mm-hmm. like one of my friends, <laughs> I don't think you should focus on research anymore. I think you should be, well, maybe I should, you know, do some courses. Or- yeah. So if you, if you have 30 publications, you probably have to, don't have to sell yourself at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should I come to you? Why, why do you want yeah. me? <laughs> Interview the interviewers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what can I, what can you do for me? Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah. So, so I think I, I took, this was kind of my approach to it. And I think, um, I think really try to think of how, how you're different. So, so this is, this is hard though, because there's so much writing on this. Like, you know, I, when you're in that moment of trying to get onto the training program that you want to get onto, it's, it's really hard to think, um, you know, genuinely necessarily because, you know, it, it matters so much and you think this is the, this is the be all and end all. And I don't know, I, I know that I would have sounded a lot like a parrot back in the day. Yeah. Like, I think now it's so much easier to say, yeah, sound genuine. But when you're actually in it, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Anyway, but so what's your approach? <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I guess look, I, I kept all those things in mind. And um, what I really tried to do was think about my professional kind of profile. And, you know, for me, I had lots of experience in one thing and I didn't have any experience in another thing. So I knew I had to work on point B or point C. Um, and I really then, while I was working on those things, then I was thinking about, well, like, what are the facets of my professional self? Mm -hmm. 
that are really unique or what can I talk in a really unique way about and what are my really interesting experiences. Mm-hmm. And I really started bringing them to light. So even if there were things that I ha- d- didn't have super current mm-hmm. experience, if it was something that was unique and would make me stand out, mm-hmm. I actually made that a more prominent part of my application process. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's interesting as well. So, you know, to find the things that make you who you truly are, even if they're not, even if it's something you didn't fail, that's mm. still, that's still interesting. Definitely. <laughs> because, yeah. What is it? Just because you're being vulnerable and telling that you, you stuff something up doesn't mean that you're a terrible person. Thank you. It's just a, it's just a, <laughs> just a yeah, it's just a, another facet of yourself. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. So how, how do the people listening to this and watching this, how, how, how do they find that point of difference? Like you got, you, I've got to think that, you know, everyone comes into medicine and it's, it is a pretty narrow path. There's only, there's only so many things you can really do. Like I think broadly you could be very interested in the clinical stuff, Mm -hmm. maybe teaching and research come from that. Uh, Maybe you're interested in administrative stuff. Uh, Maybe you're an IT specialist. Uh, But beyond those categories, what else can you really do um, to make yourself, I guess, a point of difference? Yeah. So I guess um, you've sort of an answer to that, but yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, I'll be very interested to hear what you have to say. So my my thinking on that is that there's two ways you can be different. You can be outstanding, mm-hmm. you can be the best of, or you can be the first of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I guess the third one would be you could be you know unique in that field as well. But I think um, you know you could be the best of something. You could be the guy with thirty publications. You could be. Um, on like a board of a NGO, you could be um, have done a PhD, whatever. But l- l- let's say there's very few people who are going to be doing very that. few. Okay. So then it's about taking an experience that I think other people would say is very, I think everyone would say, mm-hmm. and making that unique. So a lot of people love to say they're a great communicator. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's easy to say. Yeah, anyone could say it. But then you think about well, what have I done in my experience that makes me a great communicator? So if you are someone who's worked in, mm-hmm. so a friend of mine is um, also a pilot, mm-hmm. um, and he speaks a lot about his pilot training and his crisis resource management, and then brings that out and how those skills actually make him quite a unique communicator. In oh, that's that's just nauseatingly too good. Yeah, exactly. But, 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 the, but the interesting thing is, have it for those average Joe Blows yeah, or yeah. Jane Doe's. Come on. <laughs> But the interesting thing is when I was doing interview practice, that was such an understated part of his application. Okay. And, and even though it was mentioned, um, it, it wasn't, that link wasn't made. So, so what I really like to do with, you know, friends um, and residents that I do interview practice with is really bring out what it is that makes them different. And so, so the way I did it was I just had a lot of self-reflection. I chatted with like one of my good mates who I applied with and we just chatted about how we were different. Hmm. And what I do with kind of these candidates who are asking me for help now is I just, you know, sit down and have a chat and go, yeah. tell me about you. And you just find out what's different. And you just really need something. You, that's, it's, that's not a process you can do inside your head. Yes. Because we live in, we live looking at life through this lens and that lens is very current and it's very biased. And, you know, these amazing, amazing people just don't talk about some of the amazing stuff they do because they think, oh, well, like, like the quick care program or the peace program, aren't going to care that I yep. am an Olympic rower. It's like, actually they do. Cause that's, there's a lot of, <laughs> again, who are these people, you know, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess, you know, how I was saying there's only a few different um, areas that outside of clinical, you know, there's teaching research, maybe administrative stuff mm. um, uh, and IT and maybe a few other things, but there's so many things you can do in each of those categories and to be, you know, you said the best, you don't have to be the best. I think you just have to be really 
interested in it and have done something like do something, not nothing, be part of a process that you're, you know, you're getting better and better. I mean, just think of us trying to put out these YouTube videos and podcasts. Like I look at the ones that we started with and they're, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing at them because they're, they're, they're really not great quality, but Hey, you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. So even when you're trying to find a point of difference for yourself, I think, you know, if you'd like doing anything, like for me, teaching feels natural. I enjoy talking to people and I enjoy sharing ideas. Um, and even if I'm terrible at something, if I've just learned it, I want to teach it onwards. So that was easy for me. Whereas other people just love data. Other people, you know, love collaborating with in, in committee. So, and it's not something I love to do, but yeah. some people just really like the process of seeing big change. Yeah. Uh, so whatever it is, even if it's not on a big scale, mm. I feel like you can work you know, little one percenters every day, every week to make even something that you're just average at still pretty good in your immediate vicinity. Yeah. So, um, look, that, that's exactly right. And, and I guess coming back to the average Joe Blow, who's mm. the average candidate who hasn't done anything amazing. And like a lot of people haven't because med school's tough and mm. internships tough and trying to, you know, all this, it takes up a lot of your time. And if mm. you're family and stuff, you're not gonna, you're not going to, and you shouldn't spend all of your time at work. Right. Mm. Um, if you don't want to hold on. <laughs> but that's what I know. Yeah, yeah. No one told La. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I guess the other thing that's really important is you can actually extract so much value from an experience that you think is really monotonous and uh, like boring and 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 mm-hmm. um, and unique. So if you were on the committee of you know something really simple mm-hmm. um, when you're in med school or when you're an intern. Mm-hmm. People just saw like, yeah, like I was I was on like the medical society mm-hmm. or I was on like a deterring patient com- committee. Or you can go, when I was on the deterring patient committee, there was an instance where I just dis- where one of the consultants disagreed with me mm-hmm. and I felt like my point wasn't being made. So I found that really challenging. Mm-hmm. And the way I responded to that was I spoke to my mentor. But do you can see, well, you, you can mm-hmm. take a single, simple, irrelevant moment, not irrelevant, but like mm-hmm. something that's very kind of benign and extract a lot of useful information that tells interviews about you. And I think this is something that people really um, aren't being told to do or don't think to do. Okay. Actually, and we'll talk a lot more about that in the interview session. I think that's good. So in in summary, really try to find what you're all about. Yeah. You know, what's your point of difference? What, what, you know, what you get out of bed for, uh, what interests you, you know, like what, what is, re- what is really where you want to be in the future and how you want to you know, present yourself, maybe your brand, or I think you mentioned as well. Yeah. So, so I love the term brand. So I think find just a number of facets of yourself that you think are that you're impressive in or you're unique or you is really important to you. That mm-hmm. authenticity is really important. Mm-hmm. And then try make that just a big part of your application. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of having a very consistent message in your CV, your cover letter and your interview. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, nothing about research in your CV, but then you're sitting in an interview saying, I love research mm-hmm. and I really want to do a PhD, yeah. that inconsistency, they, they might understand that, you, that you're really interested in it, but that inconsistency, I think, breeds a bit of distrust because yeah. you're saying something that is incongruent with what they've read about you. Yeah. Actually, I remember being on an interview panel and someone was, had a very, I think it was a very anesthetic or care CV and they were applying for a medical year. And I said, oh, so why are you applying for medical year? <laughs> it looks like you really like anesthetics. Yeah. And um, they, they just said point blank, oh, look, this is my backup. Um, you're right. I want to do anesthetics, but I really want a job as well. <laughs> I, I thought, yeah, I, re- I really respect it because yeah. that that's honest. And, yeah. you know, you think that that's the wrong answer, but that's absolutely for me, that was the right answer. Do not lie. You yeah. know? I do not. Yeah. And I think be honest, people know you have backups. I mean, this is a separate point. We'll get to the interview, but I think be honest. 
um, and don't try to hide the truth. And if you ask something point blank, don't lie because again, mm. there's usual reason. Mm. There's a sense of mistrust, or they know something you think they don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so I, good. I think just have a consistent profile is something I'm a big fan of. Excellent. Uh, so something we wanted to go into more detail after the general pro- approach to the application process was some of the specific details into you know how to find a quick care job. So I know you've done it most recently, Kat. So what did what did you go through? So I have a process by which yeah. I just I, I try to acquire as much information as possible. Not OCD at all. <laughs> so uh, I try to find out as much information as possible. So um, essentially, I just chatted to people who were doing the quick care job. Mm-hmm. I chatted to people who've done the quick care job and I just read the documentation available and you just talk to people and you can get so much information about something. And this applies to everything. So that, you know, there's other really competitive jobs like the pediatric job, mm-hmm. you know, surgical training positions, medical years, advanced training, medical years. There's been thousands of people who have done this before you. You are not paving the way mm-hmm. in getting into training, especially program or even trying to get an internship or even trying to get into a med school, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you're trying to do. Um, so talk to people. If you don't do that, you're really giving yourself a disservice. So I'm pretty sure this was also an Anthony Robbins tip. A mate of mine told me just years and years ago, yeah. which was um, you know, look at the person who is where you want to be and find out how they got there. Yeah. And so on a small scale, what did the, what did the person the year before you do? And what did the person five years, 10 years from you? Yes. Did, what did they do as well? So yeah, I, I like that. And I think be aware <coughs> of the person who said it just happened to them. Or, mm. or that it wasn't that hard because like, <laughs> yeah. like none of these special training programs are easy mm. at all. And I, I can't think of a single one that's easy. Mm. Um, and I think anyone who says, oh, I just applied mm-hmm. or I don't know, I was, it was like, I didn't really think I wanted it, but I got it. I, I think either they're exceptional and they're just very yeah. phenomenal people who just don't have to try very hard in life yeah. or they're lying. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Everything is hard work. Yeah. <laughs> but it is. Hard is good. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, good. So um, yeah. find out the details, you know, read the documents. I know the position descriptions can be pretty boring to read, <laughs> but you know, there might be some subtle things in there that will help you frame the way you write your cover letter. Yeah. You can see what that department really, you know, really wants. So as a kind of a quick care supervisor, what's your perspective on kind of um, people emailing you for advice or asking you what to do? Because it happens, I think, with every job. Yeah, it's a good question. I think you know, we, we get a lot of emails and uh, generally speaking, because we get a lot of emails, I, I, I think most of us, what I've seen is we'll always reply to the emails yeah. uh, for these quick care jobs. Um, but if people want to meet up, that's that's where it might be a bit more difficult. If they're not in your actual hospital, uh, it, might, it might be more difficult to team up a time to actually meet up and talk about things. Uh, so generally, yeah, people don't do meet and greets for this, but they do, you know, we do reply emails and, uh, you know, often it's often just referring to the position description yeah. uh, and giving general, general information about the job. Um, but I think it's useful. I mean, it's part of the process, even if someone, uh, you know, even if someone doesn't reply to you, that's all part of it. At least yeah. you wrote an email saying, Hey, um, I'll, once we get to consultant jobs, I'll, I'll tell you what I went through to get to consultant <laughs> jobs, but it was, yeah, like it's a, it's, it's absolutely a process and it's thorough and, you know, it's it's like probably probably applying for med school. That was probably the, the hardest thing for a lot of people up to this stage, which is, you know, you've got so many deadlines, you've got your own exams to do. You've got, if you're going to stay, you've got to look at the deadlines for colleges and accommodation um, and then time of everything with flights and interviews and in COVID times, who knows what that looks like as well. So, 
Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that's probably how I'd look at that. Yeah. So, I mean, going on from that, I think if you talk to anyone in other fields of um, kind of professional work, like you talk to someone in like a big law firm and they, you know, said they applied for a job and didn't talk to someone in the firm, they would almost laugh. Like that person yeah. would almost be immediately struck off. All right. Um, I mean, I'm hypothesizing <laughs> little I know about the corporate world, but I, I just think in medicine, we have this fear. And I think we are very almost ashamed of, of wanting something. So mm -hmm. we try to be really blase and casual about it. Mm -hmm. And everyone laughs at the person who's a bit intense about everything. Mm -hmm. But I think you really do want to have to want it and you have to show that you want it yeah. without being over the top and being annoying. Yeah, Isn't that one of those things that if you tell people what you want, if, if people can help, they probably will. Exactly. As in people are generally, I think, you know, good people. And, and, it, and also, you know, say you kind of shout to the world that this is what you like and this is what you want, you'll get people around you that are, you know, similar ideas and might be able to help out and offer offer values here. And yeah, I think it's I think it's a useful thing. That's one of the things I definitely did, which is tell everybody that I want to do anesthetics yeah. early and, on. And everyone knows someone who's yeah. someone important or someone who's done the job or someone who's done it and failed. Yeah. And every one of those conversations, I think I spoke to every single one of those people. So people who failed, I spoke to a lot of registrars and it was all useful. And um, so I had like a lot of cons consultants who I'd never met, who I emailed or met and had conversations with, um, who just generally just gave me a chance and would speak to me and give me advice and help. And and that I think was one of the reasons that then made me want to do anesthetics even more. Cause I'm like, oh, look at these people. Like they're really lovely. They, they already invested in me. They care about me. And, and in, a, in the medical world where you're as a junior doctor, you're often just, feel so anonymous yeah. and forgotten when someone does do that. It's really helpful. We really care when the discharge summaries aren't done. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I guess the, uh, another question that I think a lot, I get asked a lot is, mm. um, does it matter how much anesthetics you do as a quick care resident or you've done when you're applying for a quick care job? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I chose my job. I was in the hospital. I did the job in, so I, I, was, I was happy to keep keeping the hospital. I really enjoyed my time there, uh, and that job happened to be nine months of anesthetics and three months of ICU, which is wow. amazingly it's good. A dream. It's a dream, right? And I don't think that exists in many hospitals anymore. Uh, but I think you, you know, to get your job, you generally need to have uh, anesthetic experience these days, and you probably need to have it in the first half of the year so that the anesthetic people know you. But then again, um, I think most hospitals are allowing that to happen yeah. um, in, in some fashion, whether it's only six or seven weeks of anesthetics. Either way, you can get a look in to meet the people, meet your bosses, meet the supervisors and uh, have a go. Um, but then some care jobs don't. You just have to perform really well and and do everything else right and get get good references. People who will back you, who will, you know, when, when they get called about a reference, they'll say, yeah, this patient, this person is exceptional and I would hire them every day of the week. Yeah. That's that's. I think that's what you need to do if you don't have an anesthetic job early on in the year. Yeah. So I think um, applying for quick care, I think two of my three referees referees were not in the tests. Mm -hmm. um, one was an orthopedic surgeon and the other one was a general medicine, uh, so respiratory physician. Mm -hmm. And they just gave good reference and I don't think that changed outcome at all. So I think yeah. it's better. it was better to get people who are happy to write a lot about me in detail than someone just for their job title. Yes. Um, for the anesthetic program, I think it's a bit different. I think it's generally preferable to have three anesthetists. I think if you've done a quick care year and you've done, you know, three to six months of anesthesia and you can't get three anesthetists to be your references, mm -hmm. it's, 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 I would say if I was on the panel, I'd be like, but why? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, Oh, what would I say about that? So if you've done a quick care job, yeah, still the quick care job potentially only has you having six to seven weeks. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, I, I, actually, I, I know that I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, 
especially if, you know, you've really, we'll get to this in references, but, you know, you'll work with, there's so many consultants, you work with one of them maybe max twice, three times. How are you possibly going to get a good reference from yeah. more than two maybe if you're lucky? So I think it's completely okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you if you had nine months of anesthetics, you know, you better well yeah. believe you should have <laughs> you know, enough anesthetic um, support yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've gone through kind of what to do. So... Um, I guess, I guess we, oh, that's actually, actually, that's the other thing. So now I think one of those interesting thing is to know how many people succeeded from a crit care position to anesthetic training position. And there could be these variables, uh, like, you know, what was the, you know, it was easy to get a reference where you're getting enough consultant time, uh, and you know, were the consultants involved in the selection process as well as the number of jobs available as an anesthetic trainee. So I guess if you're in a hospital scheme, so if you have a low number of crit care jobs going to a larger number of anesthetic training positions, you think your odds are a bit better, mm-hmm. but if you're going from, a, you know, having lots of crit care trainees to a lesser number of training positions, it might be a bit harder to get into. Yeah. If you're in a training scheme that will, com- you know, compile a lot of different hospitals, this might be a bit more of a complex equation, uh, but you can probably do the numbers on that. How many crit care people in that training scheme and how many positions in that hospital scheme, um, which comprise a few hospitals. Uh, so that's, yeah, just one thing to have a talk with people about, you know, you, you, again, you're calling as many people as you can, emailing them, trying to find out what's the lay of the land. And I think these are interesting things that will come out. Exactly. And I think, you know, there, there are a lot of nuances, you know, there are places that do very well. There are places that fluctuate. There are places that, um, so it, it does change year to year. So I think trying to find out, um, the lay of the land, what the success rates are, you're just really optimizing your chances in saying that. I think, you know, there are always people who do exceptionally well from hospitals and quick care jobs that aren't, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, often successful in getting people on the program. So I think, you know, you still are the agent of your own success, mm-hmm. but I think if you want to optimize your chances, you, and, and it's a multifaceted reason, right? There's a, there's a cultural reasons. Um, some hospitals have a lot of training of their quick care residents. They get interview practice and things. A lot of hospitals don't. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if, if if certain quick care jobs are very successful at getting people on programs, they're doing something right. And yeah. it's often intangible, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think there should be a element in your consideration. No, that's good. So, look, I, th- I think that's actually enough for this episode. Um, so we'll go on with more information about references, the cover letter, CV, interviews in the next few episodes. Um, so yeah, just as a summary, we went through approach, the general approach to the application process about having, you know, being authentic to yourself and finding that point of difference, um, as well as how to find that critical care job and just having a look around of, you know, exactly, you know, whether the different facets of each job that might make you sway between one or another. All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Um, please share this with anyone who's interested in anesthesia or currently in the process of applying for any specialist program, really. And we will see you in the next episode. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks.